Hello, everybody, and welcome to the IA Command Rebel High Command podcast, um, the an Imperial Assault podcast for 2023 and beyond. This podcast is hosted by the IA Command YouTube channel, sponsored by listeners like you through Patreon. If you want to support IA content in 2023, head over to patreon.com slash IA Command and become a patron today. This is episode number 16. I am your host, TV Boy, a.k.a. Noah, and I am joined by my co-host, The Second Flock, a.k.a. Wesley. Hey, Wesley, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I think we're both a little tired. We were both up uh, exchanging notes for this at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was having a hard time sleeping last night. Again, having a hard time organizing this podcast, figuring out how I wanted to present it, because... Our main topic for today is the Season 7 meta uh, heading into Adepticon. So I felt like uh, we were overdue for kind of a a meta review, especially for those going to Adepticon. Um, I don't think there's too many people going scheduled to go right now, but I'm hoping more people sign up um, the day of the tournament. And um, we're also going to be having another big uh, tournament later on in April before Season 8 drops. So, I'll, so I'll talk is about that Adepticon, uh, a question about Adepticon, but is it like a bigger overall like board game thing? Because I did see in related posts that there's going to be a lot of like Shatterpoint stuff revealed there. And it kind of made me feel like it might be bigger than just, you know, a random convention that happens to do the Star Wars Worlds this game it adepticon is a, a convention in illinois that is mainly focused around war games and miniatures mm-hmm. war games um so a lot of warhammer but anything that has miniatures that are rolling dice or tactical games uh are big at adepticon um a lot of board games come debut there as well or not debut but will uh, be there giving demos Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, like all these tournament halls, but they also has a have a vendor hall where all these game companies set up booths where they both sell product and are demoing their brand new products. So that's what's going on at Adepticon. Nice. Um, yeah, so uh, we're gonna be so there's gonna be Adepticon, and then we're also gonna be having, and this is gonna be part of our my community updates we're going to announce it here um and i'm hopefully getting both this podcast and this announcement up on monday um but we're going to have one final tournament weekend for season seven uh before season eight drops so april 14th 15th and the 16th we're going to run tournaments every day on those on that weekend Friday night, or Friday afternoon, Saturday uh, morning, and Sunday uh, later in the morning. And the way it's going to work, and excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. Okay. Oh, edit that out. Um, the way it's going to work is uh, there's going to be prizes for the winners. Uh, we're going to be raffling off prizes, so I'm going to have some uh, refurbished figure packs up for grabs, like a Jawa scavenger that I, I can send out. And then, uh, in addition to people who win the, each tournament getting a prize, uh, folks will get prizes based on their overall wins for the weekend. So the more tournaments you play in, 
the more prizes you can, the better prizes you can be up for. Um, even if you only go like one and two on one, if you go two and one and one and two, you'll probably have a better record than the guy who went three and zero oh and only entered in one tournament. So um, I'm hoping this is a fun way to kick off the to celebrate season seven and kick off the next season uh, that is a uh, accessible to as many people as possible because I know not everybody can commit to a Saturday hoping maybe a Friday will make it a little easier or Sunday whatever people can do and people can play and get some games in uh, as much as they are available to wow that's exciting I hadn't heard that announcement yet uh, nobody has it's uh, being announced <laughs> here and gotcha. uh, on the site so world premiere <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I've been trying to figure out what I how I wanted to do that. Um, we've been talking about a, you know, an online Adepticon tournament to match the one um, there, but I just it's a little late notice at this point to try and do something in March. So this is what we're going to try and do for April. Um, hopefully, give enough pe people enough notice about three weeks notice um, that it's happening. Plus, it's three different days, so really, hopefully, you can find at least one day where you can play uh, when you can get at least four people in each uh, pod or each tournament um, so so uh, nice. yeah that's kind of our community updates be a good chance to run uh, three different lists if I can squeeze in three days yeah that's the other great thing right is like that way you can try out a bunch of different stuff if you're going to be playing multiple tournaments okay um, kind of rambled there and but I did get my announcement out uh, fairly coherently. Uh, let's move into our next segment. So we do have some comms chatter we need to cover. Um, from our last episode where we talked about the Tarkin Initiative map rotating in, uh, we got a comment from Tuuru, uh, a listener of the show often comments, really appreciate his engagement with the channel. Uh, and he said uh, the current rotation, current map rotation, is really good for HK assassin droids because on Tarkin, Tabana, and Uskru there's plenty of space. I really like Soren HKs, but they got destroyed on Devron by Wookie <laughs> Warrior spam, which we will also be talking about later in the sh in the show. Uh, because I couldn't hold objectives without my droids getting clobbered. So that's a really interesting take that I wanted to share on the on the channel. Yeah, um, you know, before Tabana was announced, that was one of the games I did in the casual weekend with my other friend that was on the uh, previous episode here. And, you know, I ran HK's Sorens with that, and uh, I did feel like I was very powerful to be able to shoot from so far away a lot of the time. Yep, and that is something we'll have to keep in mind when we're talking about... Um lists that have performed well in tournaments over the last six months, I guess, um, is that they were on different map rotations than what we're seeing now. Specifically, uh, I think we had... What did we... What did we... We just recently ro rotated in Uskru and uh, Bespin. I think we had Uskru... Devaron and Moss Eisley back alleys mm -hmm. when season seven started. Yeah. Um, which is not like terribly close range focus, but Devaron is pretty good for close range, um, and 
Moss Eisley back alleys. It's kind of neutral. And Uskru is actually pretty good for ranged figures, so. Um, depending on how you play it. But uh, I would agree. I think um, Tarkin is a lot better for ranged figures than Deveron was. Hmm. So. So, yeah. Alright, so we are now going to jump in right into our main topic. We're not going to be doing um, rules questions or talking about games we played because we've got a really meaty topic and we're starting off a little late here, as you mentioned uh, earlier, Wesley. Mm-hmm. Operating on not a whole lot of sleep, but we're going to get through this. <laughs> um, okay, so main topic is we're going to be talking about... Uh, we're just going to be going over the list that we've seen perform so far in Season 7 competitive play. Um, so kind of looking at the tournaments from the past as well as um, some of the league li- li- uh, lists from the competitive league um, specifically that that made it to the top 8. Um, actually the top 4. Um, but first, you had mentioned last night that uh, you reminded me that way, way back in the first episode we did for this sh- podcast we had made some predictions right about season seven yeah so i went back and i re-listened to it slash read the transcript um and was able to find some of the predictions that we made so wesley uh when i listened back to it you had predicted that leia cad bane and the grand inquisitor and purge troopers would see a lot of play and then later on, you also mentioned that you thought Smuggling Compartment was going to be a very high-value card. Mm-hmm. Was there any other predictions that you remember making? Um, I remember just thinking that Force users were in a really good spot all around. Uh, and then maybe Hired Guns. But yeah. Okay. Um, and then I had predicted that HKs and hired guns would see a lot of play. Um, my Photoshop program is also hanging and making my other <laughs> stuff hang, so hold on a second. Gotcha. Yeah. There I mean, we go. I also right. remember uh, HKs being one that I felt were a little overtuned in the playtesting season. And, uh, I mean, we'll see how they did, but I I don't exactly think the same anymore. But I guess, yeah, HKs were definitely ones that were going to be solid. And I also predicted that Luke and Leia, specifically Hero Luke, would be seeing a lot of play. You said Hero Luke? Yeah. To go with Leia. I think he's yeah. a better pairing with Leia, since he gives her a re-roll. He's got a ranged attack that makes it easier to use Leia's ability, mm-hmm. etc. Okay, well, let's get right into the lists here. Um, I'm actually going to move the notes over to my shared window. Um, Do you want to read off the first list that we have from the September tournament, which had, I think, 12 people in it? Yeah, I think that was a big one. And it looks like our top, the winner there was Morgan, going uh, for a record of 4-1 to and running a Rebel list. So, uh, just as you predicted, our first win started with Leia Organa, and then we also had Hero Luke paired up right with him. And with that, Heir to the Jedi, the new Luke Skywalker attachment, 
Um, and Mara Jade with them, which makes sense, being able to run Son of Skywalker on multiple figures. Uh, but also, seemingly an oddball, a curveball here, Fence Cygnus to work with all of them. Uh, and then pairing off with R2-D2, Gideon, uh, not seeing a C-3PO here, but also Doubt, Balance of the Force, and Heroic Effort. And to go through their command list, uh, we have Son of Skywalker, Heart of Freedom, Second Chance, Call of Vanguard, Get Behind Me, There Is No Try. Oh, I'm sorry, Yoda was also in the list, so <laughs> there is no tries there, too. Knowledge and Defense, uh, Negation, Force Push, Tough Luck, and then Element of Surprise, there is another Planning, Force Rush, and Urgency. So that's uh, Morgan's list. It was a very Force user, Rebel-heavy list with Fen Cygnus, and I remember seeing the gameplay from that tournament. We commentated this, and Fen was kind of running off and doing his own thing while Morgan was playing more conservatively a lot of the time with Leia and Luke, trying to keep them kind of far away and shooting and playing a lot of those defensive cards like There's No Try and Knowledge of Defense in order to maximize their ability to stay on the field and pump out those basely strong attacks. And then... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that was a really close um, finals match. And then um, bringing up the as a runner-up uh, in the finals was Tuca, who was playing Empire, and he went three and two overall in the tournament. He was running the Grand Inquisitor, Aiden uh, Versio, Mar Jade, Thrawn, BT One, two Imperial officers, Zillow Technique, Rule by Fear, and their smuggling compartment, but in the Empire list. Uh, and then command cards were Lure of the Dark Side, Assassinate, Tools for the Job, Hunt Them Down, uh, which is the Grand Inquisitor's unique card, Price of Glory, mm -hmm. Negation, Primary Target, Dark Energy, Disorient, Urgency, Take Initiative, Foresee, Wild Attack, Element of Surprise, and Planning. So, um... Hunters, basically, is what really kind of uni unites this list in purpose. Uh, Grand Inquisitor, Marjade, and BT1 are all hunters. So you see Assassinate Tools. Um, mm. No heightened reflexes, but possibly because Grand Inquisitor is already bringing uh, Deadly Spin. Mm-hmm. A, a take on the Deadly ability, which is Surge to remove a dodge, so... Possibly why, and they yeah. they also have Pierce three, um, so possibly why we don't see heightened in that list. But Lure of the Dark Side ended up being a player, um, and I think it's a card that people need to be players will need to be aware of going into season se any season seven and uh, further tournament, right? Yeah, Lure of the Dark Side is immensely powerful. You really need to be aware of who your figures can attack on your side um, that are within five spaces of each other uh, that the opponent can target with Lure of the Dark Side. Um, and then, honorable mention to Blade, who went undefeated in the Swiss rounds, but then didn't make it out of top four. Um, and I thought his list was really interesting, too. So he's running Rebels, and he had Jedi Luke Skywalker with Heir to the Jedi, he had Zeb, Aurelios, Garkon, Mara Jade, Gideon Argus, 3PO, Balance of the Force, and Heroic Effort. And so kind of the theme of this list is you've got Luke, 
you got Zeb, and you got Garkon, who can all perform multiple attacks. Um, and I think can also move eight. Uh, let's see, Zeb can move eight. Gar yeah, they can all move eight spaces and attack. So they have both extremely large attacking range uh, and the ability to multi-attack once they've closed the gap. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought his list was actually course, really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah, and of course all united by the Brawler trait. Yep, that's right. Uh, Luke, Zeb, Garkon, and Marjade are all brawlers. Marjade's interesting too because she uh, is kind of a glue that ties uh, Luke and Garkon together since she can play mm -hmm. their unique cards. I don't think he was playing Zeb's unique card, which did get an update. Let's see. Yeah, it did get an update. I do not see a lot of people playing the, the new version of that. I don't think because it's bad or anything, I think it's just a little too situational being only for him and, you know, possibly Mara. Uh, when you have so many other good command card choices here, like even with Balance of the Force, uh, we can go through this guy's list. He had Son of Skywalker, Iron Will, Heart of Freedom, Furious Charge, Second Chance, Get Behind Me, One Pummel, Negation, Death Blow, Face to Face, Celebration, Element of Surprise, Planning, Take Initiative, and Parry. And when you have your Garkan and you have your Luke, you have so many options and so many command points to stuff in your list. Uh, and then just the fact that they're brawlers, you... I mean, I don't even see Parting Blow in here, to be honest. There's a lot that gets, you know, left on the cutting room floor when you want to bring a, a brawler list and unite a bunch of traits together. Especially with these strong, unique figures and their good cards. Yeah, um, Iron Will is also really good in this list because he's got Mara as a guardian in Rebels, and then Zeb and Garkon are both guardians. Um, so yeah, that's you, three of his four yeah. main hitters. So a lot of nice trait overlap here. Um... I've seen some variations on this list. It turns out Rebels just have a bunch of double attackers. Now they've got um, CT who can attack twice with Barrage. Mm -hmm. And they've got um, Biv, Bodrick who can attack twice with Multifire. A couple others. Um, I guess Davith is a multi-attacker technically with Fell Swoop. Cassian um, can. And Cassian, yeah, he can. He can, he can sacrifice a figure mm -hmm. to make two attacks, so... Um, but I think this one, really, the it's united in that melee brawler guardians yeah. that can move eight and attack specifically. So very threatening, able to especially on like Devron, he was super threatening to be able to charge, just charge across the map at people, um, and round one be able to start attacking. I think this list loses some um, effectiveness in the current rotation for sure, though. Now that we have Uskru and Tarkin, um, much harder to do what he was doing without Close that, that gap. those open doorways to kind of charge through, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but still one to keep in mind. Alright, so that was September's tournament. Let's move on. There We had a, another tournament in October. Uh, we have the two finalists here. Uh, so Derek won the... got first place. He had a 4-1 record. And by the way, these uh, win-loss records, they do not include buys. So f folks that uh, got a free win during the tournament, they we're not including those those in their record here. Um, so Derek was 4-1. Um, so, all right, this is, we're seeing Bib, Fortuna, Onarcoma, Jabba the Hutt, 
eight-point Mandalorian, um, Devious Scheme, Jawa Scavenger, Dr. Afra, IG-11, and Clan of Two. So this was a list that Derek kind of ran the entire season almost. And I think his mm-hmm. late... This is an early iteration. I think his later iterations were running um, uh, Black Market instead of Devious Scheme. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Devious Scheme is worth running again now that Tarkin is back and that red uh, treehouse spot is quite valuable. But I think Black Market... Being able to draw cards and manipulate VPs is just so powerful for one point. Yeah, no, black market is always strong. Um, you know, maybe the, maybe you just got to bring both. <laughs> yeah. This Cat Bane in that treehouse, I can't think of a better pair. Yeah, he doesn't have Cat in this list, though. Right, right. Um, um, but yeah, for Scum in general, I, see, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, like yeah, and you want to go through his command cards? Yeah, so uh, he is running in no particular order. Parry, strength in numbers, which is interesting. Assassinate, heightened reflexes, tools for the job, guild programming, element of surprise, field tactician, negation, planning, take initiative to the limit, extra protection, get behind me, and urgency. Uh, so we see the standard um, hunter uh, suite of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, Not sure why Perry's there. Uh, Perry he can use with Mandalorian because he's a guardian, and with IG Eleven and Onar can use it oh, too. Oh, I forgot it was a guardian card. <laughs> yep. So um, very good with uh, IG and Mando. Mm-hmm. Typically, you play it uh, to add an evade to yeah. cancel their surge for plus two. I think even Onar can run it, play it then. Yep, Onar can play it. It's not as effective on Onar, I found, because with um, Mando and IG, you're adding it to that bonus block that they have, mm-hmm. uh, which can really stuff an attack against them. Yeah. Uh, but still good. Um, interesting that he's not running... Iron Will, um, which I think is pretty good at, with Onar, especially. Uh, but there's just I a lot of Perry's, stuff. Perry's his budget Iron Will in this yeah. list. Yeah, yep. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I actually, I, <laughs> I'm kind of low on Iron Will, uh, but Onar is the one to run it with if you are going to run it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's see. Field Tactician, let's talk about this card, uh, and specifically Clan of Two. Um, I think this card's stock went way up for a lot of people um, after the domination by Jetpack Mando. Mm-hmm. And uh, Field Tactician is a great card to, to run with it because uh, it basically gives the figure that has the child equipped uh, a free move action for one point. And that's especially yeah. powerful with Mando, right? Because he is so action hungry. Yeah. He is a child. Yeah, um, true. And it could work with. Uh, it doesn't even have to be that figure. You know, if you're setting up round one and you need to send someone else in, you can give that move to anyone. But I can see how it is especially powerful with Mando. 
But I think in uh, some of Derek's games, he would put the child on IG-11. Yeah, and it might be just that that defensive tech uh, from Force Exhaustion to mm -hmm. protect IG-11, since IG-11 is such a consistent damage dealer. It makes sense, too. Um, okay, back to his list. The only other thing, he's got Get Behind Me, which is another card that people who have not played a lot of ICP need to um, be aware of, in addition to Iron Will. When you're playing against Guardians, um, you need to know that your attacks might get redirected to somebody else. <laughs> uh, and that goes for Force Users, too, because it is a Rebel Force User card, but uh, any Guardian can play this. Um, so you need to be kind of cognizant of, is there another Guardian within three spaces of this figure that I'm attacking? And know that that attack might go into that figure instead. Yeah. yeah get um, behind me is, is deceptively powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can feel like on the, lands, on the lamp sometimes. Like, yeah. It doesn't feel as bad because at least you're doing something, you're accomplishing some damage. But it will mm -hmm. often mean that instead of killing a figure, you didn't kill anything, and the next round, going into the next round, you still have uh, that figure to deal with that's going to be able to activate and attack you. I mean, I've had instances uh, where, say, I go to attack a Luke Skywalker with two health, uh, and I do, and then Yoda plays, get behind me, runs up, you know, takes five or six damage and survives. And then Yoda turns around and says, okay, well, you're going to take three reaction damage, and uh, Hero Luke's going to ping you for one. So you take four damage to not kill a figure, and now your guy's kind of way more exposed than you wanted him to be because you were sure you're going to get two damage on Luke. Mm -hmm. It also messes so. with command cards yeah. that affect the defender, like Element of Surprise will get cancelled mm -hmm. by this. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I guess that makes sense because it's on Declare, and it's a defender card. Yep, so attacker plays cards first, so if they play anything that messes with the defender, which is not too common, um, Element of Surprise is the main one, but that will get cancelled because the defender will have changed. Um, yeah. Tools, Stuff like Tools for the Job that adds attack dice, that will still stay on the attack because the attacker is still the same. Um, Alright, moving, I think we move on to the next one. Um, oh, we should talk about Dr. Afra too, just before we move on, because uh, Doctor Afra and Bib. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, these are two cards you'll see in a lot of scum lists. Um, Afra just as a way to recycle your cards from the discard pile each round after the first turn <clears throat> was really powerful, and you can do it from your opponent's discard pile too. Um, and then just being a four point three dice attacker. Uh, who's five speed? Yeah. She's just very efficient. Yeah. And um, then even um, you know, you said bib. Yeah. You know, when you pitch a card for bib for damage, maybe that's the card that you next round excavate with Afra and get to use it anyways. Yep. And uh, especially since if you're running bib, you don't get access to R two D two. Um, Afra is kind of filling in as your card advantage engine. Although you do have Jabba, but it it just adds even more. So yeah. you have art, you have Java, uh, Afra, and then Black Market too. So you have all a lot of card command card advantage. And then Bib has just been really strong. Um, being able to ditch that card 
to add the plus one damage just mm-hmm. really has helped pu- give Scum that extra push they need to be able to get the efficient kills they need to um, ha- turn the battle in their favor. Yeah, and that stacks with focus, the focus that he also gives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, effectively replacing Gideon in most Scum lists. Um, mm-hmm. does have that drawback of not being able to use rebel figures. I think that can be uh, a big constraint for some lists. Um, you, ne- you can't see him and Sabine ever in the same list, which I think is you know a real cost, but um, he brings a lot of value. He's also yeah. very, uh, eminently counterable um, by killing him, which I've been watch- seen a lot of games with Bib. It is a big... Um, shift in momentum when Bib dies. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, losing that plus one, it becomes so pivotal where... And especially because the player tends, players tend to forget that their Bib is dead and they can't discard anymore. Um, so you can, you can really see, like, man, if Bib was still alive there, that would have been a kill. Yeah. Um, so, which is kind of a mission accomplished for us because we knew that putting that ability on on a card for scum was super powerful um but their justification was this is not zillow technique you can kill this figure and remove its ability and and that did um uh, come to fruition i mean i just shows you like if zillow if you could if you could kill zillow technique in the game like how much more balanced that card would be (laughs) true um, but yeah, so Bib is something to keep in mind if you can give up your Rebel Care Package addiction in your scum lists. <clears throat> Which I think a lot of people have. Yeah. Um, I think looking at the stats, it looked like Bib was beating out Gideon in scum lists. Yeah. But you know, I always find it weird to, you know, pair Jabba, Bib, and Dr. Afra, and maybe like a black market because. Suddenly you're running 14 points of support figures, and maybe if you count a point or two of Aphra as like a late-game attacker, it's, you're still investing a lot into support, and then you don't have as many points for the meat of your list. Yeah, that's true, and that's one of the reasons to still play Rebel Care Package in Scum, not just to include other random Rebel figures, but you do get a, lot of, you do get a much leaner um, support package and still three activations. Um, and mm-hmm. that's if you're running. Well, I guess if you're running Temple Alliance, you're getting Gideon and 3PO, and then you yeah. can run Jawa. So what is that? If you have to run Jawa for R2, that's six. That's eleven it's points. Twelve. Twelve with Temp. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. Twelve. So it's still kind of similar, but you yeah, could, yeah. You could go um, bare bones six points and skip. R2 and maybe just rely on black market with, I don't know, a smuggler. Um, so I, I, think I think it's comparable. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, for me, I think if I'm worried about not having enough meat in the list, I'll just cut Bib or Afra each time and keep the other one. So you get closer to 9 or 10 points of support. So um, I do have some stats on for those interested in the comparison. Um, 
Bib is have been in 66.67% of mercenary lists this season. Um, and Gideon, who is... Oh, man, he's way down the list. <laughs> he is in 15.56% of scum lists this season. So, yeah, it has been pretty much a Bib takeover. Um, do you have the numbers for Afra? Yeah, and actually, let me look at 3PO, because 3PO is probably more relevant. Because mm. 3PO and Bib are also um, mutually exclusive, right? So 3PO is 24.44% right. of scum lists. Because um, you can still do Jabba and 3PO with a Jawa. Yeah. So that's something yeah. you see. Um, and Jabba's the, still the highest, 68.89%, higher than all of them. He's the number one played figure in but scum. But barely higher than Bib, interestingly. Yeah, so you're probably seeing them together most of the time. Dr. Yeah. Afra is actually 64.44%, so also a very much a staple in scum lists this season. Yeah. Yeah, all three of them are huge. Popular. They, they have, I think they have become the mainstay for a lot of scum players, like you're the main support package. You've got yeah. two focusers, and you've got two sources of card advantage. Plus all the VPs that uh, Java brings. What about Black Market? Uh, Black Market, that is way down lower. It's actually the same as Ooh. Elite Jawa. It's 35.56% of lists, of scum lists. So, Still popular, but less than I would think. Yeah, not a majority of scum lists. Yeah. Uh, which is really only Java, Bib, and Afra are a majority of scum lists. Jawa is the right below right below Dr. Afra, and so it goes down into the 30s after 64.44 for Dr. Afra, 35.56% of lists for Jawa. Right. Interesting, the regular Jawa is almost as popular as the Elite now at 33%. Um, just making sure. Yeah, that's, a, that's only looking at unique, functionally unique lists, so that doesn't count all the times that Herbie and Derek are playing the same list over and over again. Hmm. So yeah, that's accurate. Or run several Jawas in those lists. Yeah, it does not count um, duplicate Jawas. Um, the, my mm -hmm. data is set up to prevent that. So anyway, there's okay. your stats. We're not going to do that, <laughs> but just that, that's, that's kind of the one thing I did want to look at was uh, Rebel Care Package versus Scum Care Package. So all right, yeah. our next list was the runner-up uh, finalist, uh, Lucas, who was 3-2 and two playing Rebels, and he's got a Rebel Force user list. So we've got Jedi Luke uh, with Heir to the Jedi. It's down there at the bottom. Then we've got Ahsoka Tano, uh, Davith Elso, Mar Jade, Yoda, who for some reason does not separate it from the other ones, uh, R2-D2, Gideon Argus, Channel the Force, Heroic Effort, and then Heir to the Jedi, like we said. Oh, I think I remember losing to this list. <laughs> yeah, so it might be in... This is an October tournament, so I think you were doing some game log reviews on your channel recently, so this might be one of the lists that gets uh, shown on those. It, it is. Uh, this list is going to get shown off in the game where I lose to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so here's your classic archetypal... Rebel Force users. Um, you got the new Jedi Luke with Heir to the Jedi. 
uh, and then kind of just like whichever force user you want to use. Um, I think none of them are super bad except for maybe Obi-Wan. Um, great to see Davith getting love, finally <clears throat> getting some respect from people. Um, mm -hmm. And you have Marjade. So you'll typically see Luke and Marjade. And I think Luke, Marjade, and Davith are a great triplicate um, because Marjade really likes to play Vanish, which is Davith's unique card. Um, and let's look at the command cards here. We've got uh, Celebration, Death Blow, Element of Surprise, Force Rush, Get Behind Me, Heart of Freedom, Knowledge and Defense, Negation, Parry, Right Back at You, which is Ahsoka's card, Son of yep. Skywalker, Take Initiative, Tough Luck, Urgency, and Vanish, which is Davith's card. So I, I am very surprised that there are no spy cards here. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, I remember a vague memory from the game. I was worried about spy cards coming out, comms and um, intel leak, but I never saw it. Especially since he's playing Tough Luck, which is kind of a filler card. Yeah. Like, Tough Luck's not a bad card, and uh, we I think we've talked about it on this podcast with people that it's quite good in ISCP. There's just so many rerolls. Uh, attacking rerolls to use it against, but it is still a filler. You know, it's like putting brace for impact in your list. It's not terribly synergistic um, with this list. I guess yeah. it is with Ahsoka, because Ahsoka can force defensive rerolls. I mean, I can see the, um, you know, the channel the force into knowledge and defense to get that online early. But I think you could also have gone for Balance of the Force and then thrown in your Intel Leak and your Comms Disrupt. Get a few extra points in there. And then we kind of get into debate, though, of, like, it, do spy cards become a liability in a format that has smuggling compartment? Well, not so much Comms Disrupt. That's always at least in a gate. <laughs> That's true. It's not affected. Yeah. Um, he does have two spies, so yeah, comms disrupts pretty good with two spies. Mm -hmm. Um, get knowledge defense is a staple. Uh, right back act is great because Mara can play it. So yeah, I think this is standard. I think. Um, talking about like variations on this, you would see Ezra or Kanan um, are both solid. Ezra and Ahsoka are really good together because they are both very good at playing Pummel, and um, Ahsoka mm -hmm. can keep up with Ezra and be the Force user that gives him his die change that he needs for mm -hmm. much much to learn or something, whatever that's called. Um, I could see Ezra to make this a very defensive list or... I could even see Garkan, and then you're just playing off with Marjade and all three of your other attackers having these hugely powerful individual command cards. Yeah, at which point it pretty much turns into Blades list, right? If you have Luke, yeah. Mara, and Garkan, then you might yeah. as well switch out for Zeb, and yeah. <laughs> well, the other point with Davith is to get the Vanish on Mara, which is more insane than Davith having it. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it's pretty good on both of them, but, uh, yeah. yeah. It's good on... So one of the things you can do with it with Mara is be able to use Parting Blow without getting stunned. But mm. I don't think he's... Yeah, he's not running Parting Blow on this list, so... Which, again, another right. list that has Mara and Luke and does not have Parting Blow. You know, we're talking about a smuggling compartment and whether spy cards are worth it. Do you have the info on the smuggling compartment usage? Oh, yeah, sure. I can pull that up. Um... Yeah, so smuggling compartment. There it is. It's pretty highly played. 10% of lists were running smuggling compartment. Huh. And that's a general figure? Yeah, for all factions. Uh, it says it has a 48.72% win rate. Okay, um, so a little under half, but it's... I, I have seen wins that have happened because of the smuggling compartment, um, the ability to tech cards from the bottom or top. Yeah. So if you want it, more of, it more definitely of a, helps. More of a breakdown. It was run in 2% of Rebel lists, 12.5% of Empire lists, and 17.78% of smuggler or of scum lists. Interesting. So you tend to see it in scum more often, it seems. Yeah. And, uh, an empire. Um, okay. So yeah, that's kind of... Oh, and, uh, I don't know if we need to talk about Yoda, but he's there. Um, yeah. something that is, has been left on the table here is Yoda's command card, um, which Mara can play, um, pretty effectively, um, especially on defense, since she is very fragile on defense, which with just a white die. Um, mm-hmm. Two points for her to be able to, to both change her own defense to two blocks and an evade, and she can also do it to somebody else. Right? It's any force user within four spaces. I believe you could use it offensively, correct? Oh, it's yeah. You roll any die? Yeah, and you can use it offensively, but I think the best use case is as a defensive card. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think that was in the last list we saw with uh, Luke, Yoda, and Mara. Uh, oh, Morgan's was that Morgan's list? I believe so. Oh yeah, he yeah he was running it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it did a lot of work, and you can go back and watch those games. Um, having that to save his figures, it kind of was like a uh, miracle worker a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, moving into November, we have the top eight league. So um, here, instead of doing just the finalists, I went ahead and pulled the um, top four lists because these were all folks that went, I think, five and one or better in the league after six weeks. Um, And then top four means that they all won at least one of their matches in uh, the semi or the quarterfinals. So I thought these four lists were worth talking about, even though they're not winner and finalist. Um, and we had like, I think we had 18 players total in the league, so 
Um, it was a lot more competitive than any of these other tournaments, really, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so our winner for the top eight bracket was uh, Kyle, who was playing Empire. So he won all of his quarterfinals to win the tournament. He was running uh, Dubak. So Dubak Rider, two Dubak Riders, uh, mm -hmm. Zillow Technique, Rule by Fear. He had, man, this is out of order. Captain Tarot, what's the advanced, I'm trying to, oh, advanced comm system on an Imperial officer. Um, he had two elite death troopers and then a group of snow troopers. So this is a list that he's actually been playing a lot lately. Um, so it's kind of an established. He's playing this in season six. Oh yeah, you're right. This is a season six list. So this has no season seven um, deployments at least. I don't even know if this is uh only season six. Uh, he could have been playing longer, but I remember encountering this when I first started playing. Yeah, because the Dubaks, Tarot, and. No, Tarot came out in season five. I think Dubaks mm -hmm. and then Snowtroopers came out in season six. So. Um, so his command cards are Wild Fury, Apex Predator, <coughs> excuse me, Take Initiative. Element of Surprise, Rally, Urgency, Planning, Cavalry Charge, Concentrated Fire, Strength in Numbers, Negation, Celebration, Ferocity, Call the Vanguard, and New Orders. A Kyle staple. Mm. A New Orders you see in a lot of Kyle lists that I think a lot of people don't, other people don't play. Because it's hard yeah. to play. <laughs> I mean, my most recent list, I, I throw it in there too. The uh, spies, where you motivation some general ranks, ISB agents to get them right up for new orders. Yes, nice. But, yeah. But, um, surprised I'm not seeing. I can't recall the name. The one that gives all of your troopers surge to stun? Uh, Covering Fire. Covering Fire, yeah. I don't see that here, which is surprising. Yeah, it might have just been a space issue because he's got Apex Predator and Wild Fury, which are and new orders. Yeah, and new orders. Um, I think maybe that's the choice, right? Is he's probably running mm -hmm. it in new orders instead of that, like you said. Um, yeah, this list was pretty brutal, especially the cavalry charge. I think is something that people need to be really aware of from Tarot. Um, any Captain Tarot list with a bunch of troopers, that you need to be ready for that cavalry charge turn where all of his troopers are going to get plus one damage and Tarot himself gets plus one block. Yeah. Um, and... It's funny because I... I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, Tarot didn't get a ton of changes um, in Season 5. He pretty much just got a reroll and efficient travel added to him. Um, but he got a huge jump in power level because of Cavalry Charge and how <laughs> cracked that card is. <laughs> yeah, his card got cracked. <laughs> it went down on the point, um, and then it became a start of round versus a start of activation. So that plus one block is online the whole round. And then it's now troopers within three spaces, and they get a plus one damage instead of a plus one surge, which... In a lot of cases, is just more reliable to yep. get the plus one straight up damage, and it's got a higher range. Yeah, troopers don't have, tend to have very good surge abilities. Um, 
And if you can fit um, Dr. Aphra and Rule by Fear into a list with Tarot, you get to do it twice. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Which... Yeah, that's true. He honestly could. He's got two Elite Death Troopers, and then if you can find one other point... Yeah, I don't know. You could fit Dr. Officer. Yeah, you could get rid of an officer... I think he only has one officer in this list. Or you pitch uh, both Death Troopers and bring in Afra and another officer, or, you know, a baby Death Trooper, something. Yeah. The Death Troopers are really effective with the Dewbacks, though. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to yeah. chain the, into chain. them. But, yeah, yeah, the list is pretty well set up. And then the Snow Troopers are his finishers, so... Yeah, usually what he does is he does the charge in with the dewbacks and tarot, uh, to mess people up with flamethrowers and dewback attacks. Everybody gets pretty low, and then the snow troopers come in and finish it, finish stuff off with um, the disruptor rifle attack. Yeah, uh, that's typically how we oh. see it played. Yeah, Very it's interesting when you watch, um, you know, versus like an empire list or something, and. Uh, the snowtroopers start playing disruptor rifle attacks, but in all the math of everything, you kind of forget about that plus one damage or that that finishing blow damage, and like the Zillow players trying to pitch a card for plus one block when it doesn't matter. Oh uh, yeah, and that was that ability was originally designed to hose Zillow technique. Right on the Mandalorian, um, I was honestly kind of miffed about seeing it on an Imperial card. Because um, it's supposed—that's what it's supposed to be good against. But it's whatever. Mm. You got to find something to give these snowtroopers to make them interesting. <laughs> yeah, they—they they sure did. Um, but I think we actually find that in the uh, most recent video on my channel, or second most recent video. It's actually Kyle's list versus uh, a scum list, and the scum list had Mando. So we're seeing both both cards. With disruptor rifle playing against each other. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's one to keep in mind. Um, it's interesting because I think a lot of these players are not going to be at Adepticon, so but you could certainly steal some inspiration from these lists. Um, all right, next we've got Morgan who went two and one. He was playing uh, good old Darth Vader, two Imperial officers, Agent Callus, Emperor Palpatine. Temporary Alliance, Advanced Comm Systems on Agent Callus, Zillow Technique Rule by Fear, and Terran Malikos. So this is the Imperial Force Users list. Yeah, I think you did a, a video or two on this one, and I remember you pointing out that all of his figures, all of his main figures had ways to do damage at range, despite being comfortable or basically melee figures. Yeah, that so, was kind of the theme of his list. Yeah. Um, so Vader can force choke. Uh, Terran Malikos has sort of a pseudo force choke with Boulder Barrage, uh, which is not limited by any range. That's so infinite range in line of sight. <coughs> and then Palpatine has um, Tempt at any range. Plus, uh, force as well lightning. as force lightning. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And then, and then Callus has a gun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I just I, thought this one was interesting. Yeah, I lost to this list in top four. Um, so the command cards are Parting Blow, Element of Surprise, Negation, Urgency, Second Chance, Dying Lunge, Planning, Intelligence Leak, Dark Energy, Take Initiative, Strategic Shift, Price of Glory, Force Rush, Lure of the Dark Side, and Looking for a Fight. So he's running the full Spy Suite, except for Calm Disruption. Who is his? Oh, his Spy is Agent Callus. That makes sense. Hmm. Um, lure of the dark side, of course, to really mess up the opponent when they forget that card exists. Mm -hmm. um, I should throw that up there. Parting blow, full parting blow, I think. He's got right one. Is there another one? No, there's only one. He's running it as a one off. Let me add up the points to make sure that's the correct. Um, anything else you see? Yeah, it's, I'm surprised that we don't see a, a comms disrupt instead of one of these spy cards, just because, like you said, with, um, what's the word, uh, smuggling compartment in the meta, you know, I would feel more comfortable running a comms disrupt than an intel leak or a strat shift. Yeah, so maybe you could have combined those two. Um, yeah. Strat shift, though, is a combo with Callus. True, because then he can draw and intel. So yeah, that's good. That's good. So yeah, it looks like he is only running one parting blow. Everything else adds up to 15. So that's interesting, especially since Terran is a brawler, isn't he? He is not. Is he not a brawler? It's almost like that, not was, a on, brawler. that was on He's purpose. A... Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, not a brawler, so maybe that makes sense. So Makes things a little awkward sometimes. Callus is a brawler, though. Yeah. There are a few times where people uh, play, like, spend five minutes picking their turn against me, and uh, then they finally move, and they're like, yeah, I was worried you were going to parting blow me with Terran. And I was like, nope, that was never going to happen. Because <laughs> he can't do that. You just thought he could. <laughs> okay. So, moving on. Shows you that Vader is still in the meta, so you need to be prepared to deal with Vader. Mm -hmm. You need to have something that can deal with a double black die, 16 health figure that will murder everything you love and hold dear. Um, Alright, moving on to my list. So, this was Double Rebel Saboteurs. Um, I made it to the top four. <coughs> This is actually a list I stole from Kyle. Yeah, but you've been no, very you. fond of it for a while. Um, yeah, I got my fill. So it was, <coughs> excuse me, um, double double elite rebel saboteurs, Gideon Argus, uh, C-3PO, Saw Gerrera, Mernrin, R2-D2, Coach and Frollo, uh, Targeting Computer, and Heavy Fire. So mm. I think I had Targeting Computer on both of these guys. Um, and then the command cards were Lock On, Heart of Freedom, Positioning Advantage, Urgency, Wild Attack, Heavy Ordnance, which is basically Positioning Advantage, 
Uh, take initiative, collateral damage, negation, overwhelming impact, reduce to rubble, blitz, intelligence leak, calm disruption, and planning. <coughs> so just to speak on this, this is a interesting archetype that I think ha is very good now, <coughs> thanks to the addition of Saw. Basically a blast archetype. <coughs> and I will speak from experience running this list that um, all I ever needed was for the opponent to put one figure next to one other figure, and then I was happy. And I would deal like eight blast damage to that other figure. <laughs> uh, with these crappy, crappy Rebel Saboteur attacks. Because they are not good attackers at actually dealing damage to anything. Um, hence why you see so many positioning advantage cards in my deck. Mm -hmm. That was something I've realized um, from playing the list, is that like I really need to guarantee that I can at least deal one damage to the target, so I can then deal yeah. eight to ten damage to whatever is next to it. Um, <laughs> so that's why you see positioning advantage and ordinance, and I think I have blitz in here. Yep, blitz... Um, yeah. There's one other thing. Lock-ons in there. And of course, overwhelming impact. <clears throat> um, I do have Intel Leak. I'm not playing Strat Shift. Uh, but I am playing uh, Calm Disruption because I have three spies. So that's the other thing that this list wants is lots and lots of surges. So if you're going to play Saboteurs, you want to bring as many surge generating effects as you can. Um, Mern is awesome. She was kind of like designed with sabs in mind. She can give, she can hide two of them, uh, and then Kotun is there to give two out two surge tokens as well at the beginning of the game, uh, and then obviously you have focus, and then um, heavy fire and saw are big parts of the list because they are adding that sort of pseudo blast two for free. <coughs> I mean, you have to discard for Saw, but you're not spending a Surge on that. Because Sabs can get up to Blast 4 on mm -hmm. their own. <clears throat> so you can, if you have two Sabs attacking, you get up to Blast 8. And then Saw and Heavy Fire can bring that up to about 10 to 11 damage. Um, so that's how so you're you able... Just, huh? You just counter this by never putting a figure next to another figure. Yep. Which is harder said than done. Or easier said than done. Yeah. yeah. Um... Which we we kept talking about that in um, steering committee of like are sabs too good like no they're fine people just won't put their figures next to each other but every time we see them played people put their figures next to each other and sabs destroy them <laughs> so if you're playing sabs you do really need to be paying attention and not putting your figures next to each other because as soon as you do that playing <coughs> against sabs playing against sabs yep yeah. And being the sab player, you need to be very vigilant and um, take any opportunity you see. Yeah, so. right. So that's that list. And then finally we had Amathor, who's playing an interesting list. He did go one and one so he picked up a win in the quarterfinals. And he's actually running Trandoshan Hunters. And then our first um, appearance of Cad Bane as well. Um, we also have Onar, Greedo, 3PO, Elite Jawa, Jabba the Hutt, Gideon, Temp... Temporary Alliance, Doubt, and Black Market. So that's really interesting because what is the Jawa doing? 
I don't think the Jawas is doing anything. <laughs> yeah, because he's got 3PO and Gideon with temporary alliance, and I don't see any other rebel figures, so Jawa's just there to fill points. So I wonder if that could have been a regular Jawa. Um, but yeah, Trandoshan. Yeah, he's uh, just a Jawa with five health. So I actually kind of like this synergy here. He's got Cad Bane and Trandoshans. Um, so Cad Bane, at the start of another figure's activation, friendly hunter within four spaces, make gain one move point. So effectively makes one of his Trandoshans five speed, which they will definitely like for Scattergun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they're all hunters. No smugglers, except for Greedo. Um, but yeah, this looks interesting. Um, let's see, we've got Celebration, Tough Luck, Price on their heads, Worth every credit, Tools for the job, Take initiative, Assassinate, Positioning advantage, Element of surprise, Urgency to the limit, Heightened reflexes, Negation, and Extra protection. Um, Typically with Trandoshans, you see them being run with Lion Ambush. Um, so it's interesting that he's not doing that here. This is interesting. It's only one set of Trandoshans. Um, they are... They can be quite threatening. I think it's interesting, too, that we're not seeing... We don't see the parting blow combo here, which is one of the things that makes Trandoshans so scary, is that they're hunter brawlers, so, you know, they come up, they smack you with Scattergun and Relentless, and then they attack you again with, you know, looking for a fight and parting blow with a bunch of hunter cards. Mm. Um, they can deal a lot of damage very quickly in one activation, but uh, they are... They're eight points, so you pay for that. You know, you're paying a premium. They're not seven like you would normally see. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, and nothing super interesting in the command cards. So I think we'll move on. It's also interesting there's no Bib Fortuna, so uh, we did see somebody who uses the traditional um, Rebel Get Care in. Package. Yeah. I think he needs those movement points. Ah, Gideon, yes. One of the things that Gideon brings over Bib that Bib doesn't, right, is that extra movement. Yeah, for sure. Still trying to figure out that Jawa pick, but <laughs> we can move on. Maybe it started in one place and ended up another, but didn't, yeah. <laughs> didn't change the Jawa. Yeah. Alright, moving into our last tournaments, uh, December tournaments. We had two four-player tournaments that ended up getting combined with the winners facing off. Uh, and that was won by Kyle, once again, uh, who went 4-0 through the whole tournament. Nice. He was playing Empire with Palpatine with Motivation, Heavy Stormtroopers, uh, target with Targeting Computer, so two. So we had one Heavy Stormtrooper group with Targeting Computer, one Heavy Stormtrooper group with Suppressive Fire, an elite mm -hmm. death trooper, an e-web, of all things, general's ranks, imperial officer, advanced comm systems, heavy fire, and Zillow technique. Um, so this was a really interesting 
concept. I think this was like a very niche list that Kyle was able to play really well. I don't know about like standard viability. Mm-hmm. But it's basically a combo, which we see a lot. A lot of these Empire lists that are not running Vader, they're kind of like these General's Ranks combo lists. Um, so we have General's Ranks on a E-Web, um, and Suppressive Fire on a Heavy Trooper, right? And then Motivation on Palpatine. So basically, he's scooting his E-Web all over the place um, with out-of-activation movement abilities to get it into position to be able to attack. Right. Um, did you get a chance to see this one in action? I think I actually did see this on one of your log reviews uh, from this tournament. So I kind of remember this. And yeah, that suppressive fire to move around his, his E-Web was a very good combo. Yeah, suppressive fire and motivation... I think that was the first time I had seen General's ranks being run on an E-Web, but it was... It's actually pretty ingenious. Yeah. You don't see why more don't do that. It's... Which is... It's like the best way to get them around the map. You don't... You know, it's nice to use General's ranks for the damage. It's better to use it for the movement points. In a lot of cases. Yeah. And, um... Kind of funny, just another reason not to run Overwatch. <laughs> um, no, you run that on the second uh, E-Web Engineer. <laughs> right, and he's got heavy fire. So the nice thing about E-Web is it's a heavy weapon, so you get some really nice command cards to use with it. Um, so in this list we see Overwhelming Impact, Reduced to Rubble, Call the Vanguard, <coughs> Negation, Induce Rage, which is an interesting one. Um, Concentrated Fire, Urgency, Change of Plans, Disorient, Dark Energy, Planning, Element Surprise, Take Initiative. Uh, did I write that twice? No. Uh, collateral Damage and Covering Fire. So he is running Covering Fire here. Um, well, Induce Rage is uh, definitely for the Heavy Fire. Ah, that's right. So you can take off uh, negative conditions with that. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, yeah, because Heavy Fire is dealing bleed and stun, typically. Um, love me some Call the Vanguard with E-Web. That's always fun. Uh, which you do get to use General's Ranks with that, so that is also a combo. Um, so you'd be moving five and attacking. Yeah. Yeah, that's strong. Um, and then you got overwhelming impact plus concentrated fire. It's another reason to way to use disorient. Get rid of the concentrated fire stun. Uh, interesting that the E-Web doesn't really have blast naturally, but he's still running reduced to rubble, collateral damage, and heavy fire. So if you had all those cards, right, you could do four damage to something within two spaces. Yeah, and I think that's some good spread damage because you're trying to get off so many attacks mm-hmm. that it's it's not so much trying to do a Rebel Salvador technique of just blasting everything to death. It's more soften them up for the next time you shoot at them when you shoot at the other one. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Because uh, a lot of these heavy troopers typically can only do a few damage per hit, but more consistently. So adding on to that can also help a lot. Yeah, they do hit pretty hard if you can get the um, the bonus surge from spray fire. I've yeah, noticed. unless your opponent gets a couple of aids. <laughs> yeah, against against armor, they have a harder time. But oh, they do yeah. have blast too as well, so he can he can use it with the the heavies, right? So you search for blast too. So you could do up to six damage to something that's adjacent. True. Which is pretty good. Um, and then we had Joey bringing up second place. So he actually went two and one. He tied with the rest of his pod, I think. Um, but it was got the win on tiebreakers to face against Kyle. And he was running. Um, okay, so here we go. Our first ISB infiltrator list. Double ISB infiltrators with the Grand Inquisitor, uh, Agent Callus. Uh, purge trooper, two purge troopers with electro batons, imperial officers, low technique, rule by fear, and doubt. Um, so yeah, I think ISBs. This is not how I usually see them, but I think ISB infiltrators are like one of the standouts in the Empire faction right now. Hmm, one of the the higher played, higher played, and higher performing. Um, there's a lot of cool things you can do with them, plus just being able to prevent any defensive tech while you're using them. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Um, being able to get three attacks in an activation, um, mm -hmm. if you bring the right cards to enable that, it's really good. Um, you can squad swarm with them if you have two, so you're doing six attacks that your opponent can't play any command cards on. Um, their damage is pretty consistent if they're hidden. Which they get hidden every turn. Yep. I mean, so they're not always hidden, um, because... No, no. Because they attack more often than they can hide. <laughs> but is that really that much of a downside? Of a downside? Yeah. Um... But then looking at the rest of his... Uh, so usually what I've told people is, like... You put suppressive fire on a elite death trooper, I or I think that ISPs are good. But I wonder what it is about season season seven that's kind of making them more relevant right now. Um. So yeah, finishing up talking about this list. So normally I was saying, um, usually you see them with like a death trooper and suppressive fire. Suppressive fire either on a death trooper or on a heavy stormtrooper. And the way you'd play it is you have the trooper with suppressive fire move into position so it can see a target. Then the ISB infiltrator will use coordinated raid to have it attack. Then you exhaust suppressive fire. Uh, that lets you move the ISB infiltrator who will often have general's ranks attached to it, um, like two to four spaces. And now it can attack itself without having to spend an action to move. And then the other one can just move up and attack. So that's a nice way to get three attacks with your ISB infiltrator groups. Um, interestingly, Joey was running Purge Troopers. Which we have not really talked about yet. Um, but here they are. Um, 
they're pretty efficient, and with Electro Batons, they can attack twice. Uh, they do really good against Swarms, which we are seeing more of in um, Season 7. We're just seeing more Swarms in general. This list is a Swarm. Um, so, But they're also good against unique figures, especially against Scum, scum lists that have lots of squishy unique figures that get hit by On the Hunt. Um, and what else is he running? Again, oh, and then the Inquis we see the Inquisitor again. Um, that's also important is that purges are hunters, so let's see. Joey is running Assassinate, Calm Disruption, Tools for the Job, Dying Lunge, Intelligence Leak, Primary Target, Strategic Shift, Negation, Death Blow, Pummel, Element of Surprise, Fleet-Footed Urgency, Looking for a Fight, and Planning. So we see he's getting that... Hey, you're back. I'm just talking about the command cards and how Joey is running Purge Troopers with Grand Inquisitor to mm -hmm. get um, Hunter cards, and then Callus and the ISP Infiltrators allow him to run Calm Disruption um, in the list as well. He also yeah, has Strategic Shift. A half spy, half hunter list. Which speaks to something that I have always talked about, is that hunters and spies are a potent combination, and we need to be careful about putting <laughs> hunter and spy on the same figures. Um, because having the best damage-dealing cards and the best way to control the opponent's damage-dealing cards is powerful. Um, True. Although, the purges here, it seems like there's a lot of cards for out-of-activation attacks, or at least dying lunge. And the, the ISPs. Um, so I imagine those are being used with the Purge Troopers. It escapes me which one Electro Baton does. That's the one that lets you attack again with the green dice attack. Mm, that's during your activation. I just have always felt like the, the Purges are kind of weaker with their out-of-activation attacks than in-activation attacks to a point where... You know, like I've used Call of the Vanguard on them a few times and felt like it didn't really do anything. Yeah, and we don't see Call the Vanguard in this list, probably for that reason. Um, could switch it yeah. up and put General's ranks on them. Or Electro Staff. I mean, I he was running Batons, but I assume that's at least in one game. I don't know if he's running the same loadout every game. Uh, yeah. I think I saw only saw him using Batons. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's still a little... Seems a little weird, because, yeah, you do get the extra attack, but it's also only during your activation, which doesn't seem to synergize very well with the infiltrators. Yeah, so he's having to get those three attacks the old-fashioned way, just with decent positioning. Now, you can, you can coordinate raid to the other ISB group, mm -hmm. so that makes it a little bit easier than traditionally with the old ISB infiltrators. Um, you know, you can move one group into position and then you're able to coordinate a raid with the other group. It's not as easy as when you have suppressive fire to cheese it. Um, but I think a lot of these yeah. dying lunge cards is for the Grand Inquisitor, probably. Oh yeah, and Callus is the backup for that. Because he also has a good melee hit. Yeah. Inquisitor's been interesting. Um, he's been very strong, but I think 
either he doesn't have like a single defined home or he just has multiple homes because mm-hmm. now this is the second different iteration of a hunterless empire we've seen so instead of Mara, Jade and BT uh, we see the purge troopers being used but yeah. uh, they do synergize because they're, bo- they're melee right so we, that allows things like pummel and death blow um Dying Lunge versus yeah. if you play that with BT Mara Jade also has that so I wonder if Mara Jade would be useful here um, but I'm not sure what you'd really pull out though yeah yeah. I feel like ISBs work best when you run doubles mm-hmm. so you kind of need that is he running Squad Swarm he is not that's something that I find is really effective with ISBs, is having Squad Swarm. And you'd be able to use it with the Purges here, too. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, being able to double into the Purges with Squad Swarm. Squad Swarm is... <laughs> that's six attacks in a row if you got your ISBs lined up. Yep. That's pretty nasty. Um, and if you're worried about Jedi, ISBs are the way to counter them. <laughs> yeah, they can't play their defense tech. Yep, knowledge and defense is a dead card. Get behind me is a dead card. There is no try is dead on defense. Yep. Um, so Jedi's yeah, kind of rely on that stuff. Parry is gone. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it for tournaments. Um, December was the last one. The uh, January-February tournaments didn't fire, so... Or February-March, I should say. Um, let's see. What have we not talked about that we need to talk about? We've talked about the support options for Rebel and Scum. Um, we've yeah. kind of talked about... We've seen in Empire lists that they all have Officer, Zillow, and Rule by Fear. <laughs> so those are kind of, you know, um, staples. You have a Callus Smuggling part Compartment and Extra Armor down here in your Empire support notes. Yeah, uh, well, the Smuggling Compartment's Extra Armor is, like, staple, uh, neutral. Fact, well, it's meant to be yeah, faction neutral. True. Um, but Callus, I think, is definitely a great support figure for Empire to get that extra card draw. Mm-hmm. Although I think he is more of a hybrid unit to where you're... You usually only see him in lists where he's going to synergize with a lot of the list. Yeah, I personally don't care about his attack at all. Wow. Like, his attack's kind of mid... Like, not really that great. It's like blue-green-green search for Pierce 2. A lot of times he will whiff. Um, Wasn't it red-green-green search for Pierce 2? Only if you can get up and do melee range. And that's the only reason I bring him. (laughs) See, that's funny. I bring him for the card draw, um, and then to strat shift after I card draw. Yeah, I'm still trying to work out that combo because normally I'm like, oh, right, card draw, that's neat. <laughs> I want to go punch him with this bow staff. Yeah, so he is multi... Um, he, he's very flexible. Uh, 
and the roles he fills. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, extra armor and smoking compartment. I think smoking compartment is just good. We talked about it in that first episode. Just helps you find the command card you're looking for. Um, I remember you said that you had found take initiative on top of your deck before you drew, uh, and we're going to have initiative that round. So you put it on the bottom, and the next round you pulled it back off the bottom to the top. So you had to take initiative when you needed it. Um, and the stuff like that is really good. I know there was a, a particular game where I needed take initiative next round, and there were four cards left in deck at the end of the round. And I looked at the top, looked at the bottom, no take initiative. So I put the, the, the top to the bottom, and then when I drew one plus one for the terminal, I drew the two cards I didn't see, which meant I guaranteed myself take initiative. Yep. And it's just crazy the amount of, like... Just feels so scummy. The amount of smuggling scumminess you can do to get the cards you need. Yeah, um, pretty good in Empire, especially that you know doesn't have any of that later round card draw once it's used up. Uh, Rule by fear, other than Callus. Yeah. Um, and then extra armor is just still really good. Um, mm-hmm. What the what the usage on that is. Let's see. I think it was high. <laughs> I think I can tell you in my the most recent list where I was playing uh, around December, I was running all three of these. Callus, Smuggling Department, and Extra Armor. Yeah. I mean, and Zillow, and Rule by Fear, and Officers. Callus is still one that I like. I'll only consider this if I'm trying to run brawlers or I'm trying to run um, spies. Oh, that's why I couldn't find it. It was way at the top. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> extra armor. Twenty-six percent of the meta game had extra armor. Wow. But it only has a forty-three percent win rate, so that's interesting. It's <clears throat> a lot, though. It's like four extra health for one point. Yeah, it's really good, especially when you have figures that already have an eight defense bonuses, because it um, makes it much more likely that that extra block is not going to get pierced. Mm-hmm. And then, all right, so that's kind of the support options. Um, I'm not going to talk about this stuff. That may be another episode where we kind of really break down what's available. Uh, we talked about ICP cards. cards that should be avoided. Yeah, so this is kind of just a warning for like <coughs> folks that are new to ICP that are going to be going to Adepticon, especially. Um, I think there's a there's this conception that like every card in ICP is super strong, and you can just take whatever, and that's kind mm-hmm. of true for the most part. Like most of the cards are pretty balanced and are at the higher end of the power spectrum um, because that's the whole point of ICP, right? Is to bring everything up to the power level of the strongest cards that were in the game originally. Yeah. But not everything hits hits at that power level that we've made. You know, we try to go for some interesting effects. We don't always just try to power creep the crap out of everything. And some cards just fell to the bottom, even below a lot of... um, the original cards, so 
these are the cards that I recommend not using, especially if it's your first like competitive event. If you want a challenge, these are good to use. But um, so ICP Scout Troopers, uh, Rebel Troopers, Wingard, Dengar, Obi Wan, and Pathfinders. Um, and I think Obi Wan is probably the strongest out of those options, especially with extra armor. The problem is he's really hard to use effectively because his main strength is in his durability and his ability to mess with the opponent's objective game. Mm -hmm. um, but people tend to forget or have a hard time remembering to use him that way. Um, otherwise, he's hard to kill. He doesn't give a lot of points when he dies, and he focuses something when he dies, so he's actually like the optimal damage sponge for a Jedi list, but I think Kanan is just generally better than Obi-Wan for that purpose. Who's now 7 points as well. Right. The, other, the others are just under the curve. Scouts, Rebel Troopers, Wingard, Dengar are all just below the curve. They got something happened in their design uh, or lack thereof design. Well, I think Wingard's just got a point reduction and that still didn't make them better because they weren't good to begin with. Yeah, same thing for Rebel Troopers. They had gone down to seven points. Um, same thing for Stormtroopers, but they are just more playable because they have more support yeah. uh, for that play and, type. And even style. they don't see that much play. You'll see them once in a while, but it's like... I think they're a good starter option when you're getting into ICP, but often I see people gravitate away from it because they're still kind of... Just, you know, the like the weakest units in the game that you can spam the most of. Yeah. Um, I think Mark plays a lot of uh, Elite Trooper Swarm. And they can be dangerous when brought en masse with, like, an Elite Trooper and something like Kane Somos or maybe, I don't know, Callus or something to kind of lead them. But they're also yeah. difficult to play. Um because you, you have to really pick your targets well. So I wouldn't say don't play Elite Stormtroopers. I think those are playable, even by uh, a rookie. But the Scouts, or Scouts, Rebels, and Wingard. And then Pathfinders, I think they have stuff... They have interesting things they can do, um, especially with, like, activation manipulation, with stuff like Provoke. <clears throat> but... Ultimately, they just don't hit hard enough, uh, in my experience. Like, I think they're okay if you bring them with Cassian to give them that extra, uh, extra damage token, but they're really squishy, uh, and they just, yeah, they don't hit hard. Yo, that's my opinion. Um, we kind of talked about these what? cards to be aware of. Oh, what did what'd you have? Just thinking if there could be a use for Wingard somehow. <laughs> Wondering if you could temporary alliance them into Empire and uh, run two of them with two Stormtrooper sets and have 12 minis on the board and every time you attack a Stormtrooper you're taking a strain. Yeah, it's just not enough impact 
on that ability and too many times that it doesn't actually trigger. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be cool if you could run four sets of elite stormtroopers, and these guys seem pretty close to that. They're just missing a surge for accuracy and a focus on their friends dying. Yeah. But I'm not really going to stand here and fight for wing guards right now, so we can move on. <laughs> uh, and then I just had... Oh yeah, we need to talk about the two other archetypes that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Mm -hmm. First one is the Rancor. Now, we didn't get to see any of it in the tournament results, but apparently it's been doing a lot of work in league games and in the Swiss rounds of the tournaments. <coughs> um... Especially the double Rancor variant. Mm -hmm. So this is something especially Herbie has been running a lot of. But I, I know Josh has been running some Rancor lists. I think a few other people have been trying it out. Um, apparently the double Rancor is the one that's really an issue for people, for some people. Um, so it needs to be a hard matchup, but it... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I, I'm going to pull up the actual list. Yeah, I was going to say, it can be a hard matchup for a lot of people because they're so tanky, they're so durable, and they can move pretty far. But then there are certain lists that seem to just have a, you know, the other side of that swing is that they can beat the double Rancor list without too much issue. They get to pummel a few 3, 4, 5 damage attacks in each Rancor, and then the entire list is out of steam once you take them down. Um... So I think for every time someone gets annoyed by how strong they are, there's someone that's feeling like it was such an easy win. And that kind of just makes it balance. It's just very interesting. Yeah, which is kind of a problem with them is that, like, depending on what you are playing against it, it's either, like you said, it's either really tough if you've got a bunch of two dice attacks or it's not that hard if you've got a bunch of four dice attacks. Um, yeah. So let's see. Here is the list that Herbie has been running. <coughs> so it's uh, three regular Jawas, two Rancors, Jabba and Bib Fortuna, and Dr. Afra, Smuggling Compartment, Beast Tamer, and Extra Armor. So it's kind of like you've shoved the support package we talked about with Jabba, Bib, and Afra, and then you have the two two Rancors, Beast Tamer, and the three Jawas to feed the Rancor. Mm -hmm. uh, and then extra armor gives each Rancor two block tokens each. <coughs> and then command cards are Pummel, Brace for Impact, Negation, Parting Blow, Celebration, Ferocity, Survival instant Instincts, Take Initiative, Urgency, Worth Every Credit, Another pump, so two pummels. Brace yourself, opportunistic, parry, and apex predator. So, you know, pretty basic. It's either give yourself extra movement, give yourself extra defense, give yourself extra attacks or damage. He's not running the savage, um, that new card from season seven, the command card for defense on creatures. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. Let's see. Maybe. Maybe he did in, like, another version of that list. Savage Vigor... Or I used to think it was bad when it was real, revealed. It's it's actually pretty good. Especially on the Rancor. 
Uh, he did run it in the September tournament, so maybe I should have pulled that mm -hmm. one. But yeah, he had that Wild Fury. Let's see, is he running Wild Fury here? Uh, no, that one's missing too, so he should have Wild Fury. So let me copy that one. Yeah, Apex Predator, Savage Vigor, <coughs> Parting Blow, Wild Fury, Ferocity, Two Pummels, Brace for Impact. Yeah, so that's probably Take closer to it. <coughs> yeah, yeah, all that stuff. I need a drink of water. Yeah. I um, I did face Herbie with this once, actually. And uh, it was, I think it was on the Earth Screw map, and I was running my... ISP, ISB, full spy list, general rank size piece. And it was interesting that I was just throwing a bunch of two dice attack at him, but I also shut down all of his ability to play cards like Savage Figure, Brace for Impact, because the ISBs shut down the command cards. And then because they were spies, I had a couple negates in the deck, so when he would play key things like um, Ferocity or... Um, survival Instinct. I think I shut down a Survival Instinct. I was like, that's that's not going to happen. Here's your comms disrupt. But they were still so strong um, just on being these meat sticks that they ran up, were able to take out my army basically. Like, I killed the Rancors, but was left with a half-wounded ISB and maybe an officer, and wound up losing on objective points because Herbie had a I think like a Bib Fortuna, Jawa, and like Dr. Aphra left. Yeah, so just to kind of speak to this, the core strategy of this this list is, like you said, Beast Tamer to give them free movement. He's usually, usually he's sending them in one at a time, so that's why he runs two, is so that when the first one dies, the second one comes in and can still play all the remaining command cards and get use out of Beast Tamer. Um... They run in with Beast Tamer, um, giving them that free movement. Uh, then they get a bunch of extra attacks with cards like Wild Fury, Pummel, um, Ferocity. And then they have that Voracious ability that lets them activate again. So that's what all those Jawa Scavengers are for. So the way that works is the Rancor will activate, do a bunch of stuff. Then the opponent gets to activate something. Then... Herbie will activate a Jawa, move it up next to the Rancor, and then at the start of the opponent's next activation, the Rancor eats the Jawa and readies the deployment card. Um, and then gets to go again. <laughs> and that's once per round, And that, but also the recover, recovers two damage, so that's big. Um, it was interesting, we were talking about this uh, in our steering committee uh, chat recently, um, when we were talking about how the meta is doing right now, and this list came up, and it somebody mentioned that you can't respond to the voracious trigger. Um, you know, like you can't kill the Jawa when, once it moves next to the Rancor. But I've actually had and seen several games now where bef before the Jawa is able to move up next to the Rancor, you know, if sometimes, like, sometimes when Herbie plays it, he splits the Jawas up or he has to send the Rancor off in a random direction. Mm -hmm. And there's only like one Jawa close enough to get near the 
the Rancor that hasn't activated yet. So I've actually seen people go and kill that Jawa before it can activate. And actually, like, screw over the Rancor so it can't um, use Voracious. Um, so there is some counterplay. You'd have to, once you know what the strategy is, you can predict what he they're going to do. But it is pretty, uh, it can be overwhelming when it first happens to you. Especially when you don't understand yeah. the core strategy. Yeah. Um, another, um, another combo I want to mention that keep aware of is the survival instincts plus, plus Afra combo. Um, so getting to have survival mm -hmm. instincts two turns in a row with Afra. Um, oops, that's not the one I want. Survival instincts. This is the one that at the start of the activation you get plus one block, plus one evade. So we call that Boba armor, um, since Boba Fett has that on his stat line. Uh, really makes the Rancors hard to kill. Um, so like you said, if you can counter it, if you can, I don't know, um, rest in peace it for one round so you can get rid of the Rancor. Anything to to try and beat that. Yeah. Ugh. The survival the instincts on Rancor. Course. <laughs> yeah, anything you can use to negate that or just stop that from coming out or killing Afra, you know, it's going to be good. Yep. Hey, HKs, just look through those Rancors and shoot his support on the other side of the map. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's uh, good to be aware of. And then the next one was... Um, I don't have a list for this here. Let me see if I can find one uh, in the the other ones. But it's the Han, Kotun, um, Cassian. Cassian. Yeah. I don't think I have one here. I'll have to go... We'll just go... Th I'll just talk about it here. But it's basically... Um, like it says there on the notes, Han... Han plus Kotun plus Hera plus Cassian. Alright, so this is kind of the synergy that we saw, I think, way back in Season 5, that I think is still one of the more effective lists for Rebels that you could bring. Um, the combo is that uh, Kotun... Let's see. Kotun gives out tokens to Han. So you, what you're doing is you're giving out an evade token to Han most of the time and a mm -hmm. evade token to Jin Odon for their cunning. And then Cassian plus Hera allows you to give out four damage power tokens with Cassian's mm -hmm. ability. So you give a damage power token to Han, one to Jin Odon, and then usually one to Cassian and one to like either Kotun or somebody else. And then you position your figures so that when Han does his big focused end of round attack with a damage token, um, you don't have to worry about attacking a white dice figure with that big risky attack because of dead precise. So Kotun makes those attacks really count against white dice figures. Mm. And then you're getting, again, the cunning bonus from the evade tokens plus C-3PO makes Han and Jin really hard to kill. Uh, Jin's already overtuned as it is. Um, sometimes you see Lando instead of Jin, but Jin is really good with because of cunning. 
Uh, Lando hits really hard, so that's kind of a, the draw there. If you can get the Shrewd Scoundrel ability to go off, he can deal more damage than Jin Odon, but Jin Odon is more consistent. Um, and right. you got on the lamb, you've got tools for the job, got a bunch of smuggler stuff, like um, smuggler supplies to again get that um, get that cunning thing to go off when you need it for the entire round with that plus one evade. On the lamb's really good. Runner for cover is really good. And then um, usually you see Cassian's card being played, sniper configuration, uh, which is really good with Jin Odon, uh, right? Because you you move Jin Odon up, and then you like use hair trigger to attack something and stun it, so it can't move to get line of sight to Jin, and then. Um, you trace line of sight from Jin to that figure with Cassian, who attacks from the back. So just a lot of synergy, a lot of little synergies in this list, a lot of strong figures in the list. Um, so that's one I wanted to call out. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this list a few times, but I think uh, explaining the Kotun, the dead precise ability, um, kind of makes all of this make a little more sense. So yeah, I've seen it, and it's strong, but I guess uh, there's a big alert here to just having all of your attackers not care that much about the first few times they shoot at a white die figure. Mm-hmm. So Kotun's big here. And then, of course, the evade tokens on Han and Jin, and I imagine you bring C-3PO here and make yourself even more tanky. Yep, you have C-3PO, Gideon, and R2-D2 to draw cards. So I just thought that one was worth mentioning for folks to be aware of how that works. Um, and then I think we're good. Yeah. Was there anything else we want to talk about? I think that's that's it. Uh, I see double HKs here. Is anyone using that? Oh yeah, HKs. Yeah, I think you kind of mentioned it. Like they've kind of fallen off. Um, but as our listener uh, mentioned, I think this is a poise to return to form for them with Tarkin now mm -hmm. in rotation. So, yeah, these guys are important to keep aware of, um, especially their priority target. You don't want to forget that that's a thing. Uh, you're not safe just by hiding behind your own figures. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, you tend to see them either in scum lit, like regular scum hunter lists that filling the old weakway role, or you see them in empire lists with General Soren, who gives them surge for stun, which works really nicely with their merciless ability. Um, if you come up against them, I would say focus on killing the HKs first, like it's yeah. pretty unlikely that there will be anything else in the list that is harder hitting and <laughs> less tank like less durable <laughs> right and that's in general in war games like that is something you want to do is you want to figure out what has the what is the least defensive with the most damage output and kill that first yeah because um, you get the most bang for your buck yeah um, and I, the first time I played against them, I made that mistake of going after Boba Fett instead of going after the H case. And I was <laughs> like, what am I doing? And I got Yeah. Wrecked. Oh. 
I got wrecked. Well, I mean, Boba presented himself first, right? So True. Um, but then I, like, kept going after Boba Fett after he was trying to retreat. That sunken cost fallacy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, I mean, it would have been a big VP swing, but those HKs, you know, four of them shooting you is definitely doing more than one Boba Fett per round. Yep. So that's exactly what they want, is they want you to not shoot at them, shoot at something else that you, that looks scarier. But they are yeah. the scariest thing in terms of something that you could easily remove from the board, but if you leave them alone, they're going to do a lot of damage. Yeah. All right, I think it's we're... True. Oh, anything else you want to say? That's it. All right, thanks everybody for watching. I wish the best of luck to everybody who is going to Adepticon, and um, if you're not able to go to Adepticon, make sure you get to play in one of those April tournaments I mentioned on the weekend of the 14th. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully people are interested. Hopefully Season 7 has been a lot of fun for folks. I think we are getting into the kind of the doldrums period here the last couple months where uh, people are kind of just waiting for the next changes to come out. Um, but I think we'll see a play and interest pick up um, once Season 8 drops. We've got a lot of exciting stuff in that season. Yeah. Yeah, I think all of that is true. Um, probably see you guys at this uh, tournament in about a month. Three days, three factions. Sounds like an excuse to play a different faction list each day. <laughs> yeah, and definitely make sure you check out uh, Wesley's channel at The Second Flock. I'll link in the description. Um, it's been nice seeing some more IA content that I didn't make. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm posting stuff from way back in that October tournament that we talked about earlier this episode, and um, still got a couple more videos of that to edit, record, and release. And I've got one more match that I played in that I'm probably going to release closer to the uh, preview weekend for Season 8. It's kind of a throwback. Nice. And yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, doing our Season 8 reaction video. Yeah. Oh, God, that'll be fun. I imagine you have some idea of what's already, most of what's already in there, but uh, so, so it might be my reaction video. Yeah, it'll be your reaction, reaction <laughs> video. Oh, uh, I've, so I've trying, I'm trying to get the committee to commit to uh, locking everything in, pencils down, by the end of March, uh, mm. so we can start getting previews sent out to other content creators maybe to get them to show off some ICP um, but then I'm hoping we can yeah that's that's the nice thing about having a non steering committee member on the podcast is like I have somebody I can show stuff to that hasn't already seen everything in development yeah <laughs> get, get some honest reactions from so that'll be a lot of fun yeah but uh, get I ready. Mean, hey, we could even do live reactions if you wanted to, like, do a screen share and just show me stuff a week before the official release, and then you post that video after the articles come out. Awesome. <laughs> yep, stay frosty. <laughs> you sound a little worried. <laughs>